Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 150, y'all. We made it. It's our sesquicentennial. I'm so proud that I got that pronunciation correct, because it's a tough word to say. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. Uh, congrats, guys. We've been around for three and a half years. Uh, we've released 235 tracks and had 53,000 listens. Um, so a very special thank you to all of our listeners, especially the regular ones. You guys are the best. Um, obviously, without you, we wouldn't be talking to anyone. Um, that's how podcasts work. So, uh, by the way, for all of our listeners, I currently have a temporary 150th issue mustache. Um, which everyone has voiced negative opinions of. We will post it on Instagram and on Twitter so you can hate on it like we're hating on it right now. So I if mean, anyone makes I, jokes about it, <laughs> I have 150 uh, issues with that. Mustache. <laughs> <laughs> That's really ironic for you. Yeah, there will come a time when I've got the mustache for so long, I will have had the mustache more on the podcast than not. Uh, Brett looks like 1980s uh, Tony Stark, by the way. Hmm. An insult. Wait, is it Roger Sterling, Tony Stark, or is it the other one? Roger Sterling was never Tony Stark. Oh, sorry. I was thinking, I thought you said his father. Nope. Is his father. You are a dad right now. That's a different oh. person. Obviously, I don't You're like a father. of... Uh, on this week's episode, we're going to have our flashiest of new splashes. Uh, we're going to do some fun stuff like have a question roundup. And, everyone, and then after that, everyone will talk about their ultimate superhero team cross genre. We will talk about Doom Patrol season two, episode eight. And then we'll finish you off with the newest comic issues. Uh, can I get a newsflash uh, noise? <laughs> Mulan, the new Disney reboot of Mulan, is apparently going to be available September 4th in theaters and on Disney Plus for the nominal fee of $30. So that price will be part of their premium tier titled Star. But they've expressed so far that this is just a one-off and it's not going to be a model necessarily for future releases. Oh, yeah, of course it won't. <laughs> Do you guys have any theories about why not go ahead and release uh, Black Widow or any other thoughts about it? This was the one that was supposed to come out first, so it's the trial run. Yeah. Correct. I think it's, it's certainly, yeah, it's just a test. Just like when they, like, the, I was actually recently thinking about video games, too, when they, they did season passes. But so first it was like, you buy the game and it was supposed to have everything in it. Then you buy the game and then you buy DLC. Then you buy the game, then you buy the season pass to get all of the DLC on top of that. So, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, it, it's a good test model from a business perspective because they'll definitely obviously see what happens. Um, but it, obviously I don't, I don't really know how it plays out for customers because I do think that it, there already are on-demand stuff that you can normally get sooner before they leave theaters, but you're paying a little bit more. But if it's the price of two people to go see a movie, which, you know, obviously is the average number of moviegoer, I think, um, it kind of works <laughs> out. But there's, it, there's not really the same experience of watching it on your shitty couch in your underwear. Adam, what is DLC? Is that dick-loving care? 
but go deep. <laughs> Kaylin. Um, so it's a remake of a movie we've already seen that's going to, you have to pay an additional $30 on top of your Disney Plus uh, annual or monthly fees. And it's going to be, ultimately, it's going to be free on Disney Plus. Not free, but it'll be like sure, part man. of the Disney Plus package. So it just seems like, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure there's some like real hardcore Disney fans that will do it, but it would be smarter if they did this for like an MCU film which is part of like the series. It's the kickoff of phase four, especially like Black Widow. Like I, I would pay $30 for Black Widow. I'm not paying $30 for, for Mulan. Ryan? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. families would disagree, but Ryan? <laughs> they, they will lose a lot of money if they release Black Widow on video on demand. Like Mulan could maybe go either way. We all remember Lion King and how big of a flop that was. So like, it makes sense for them to do it this way. I um, but they, they did say that if you get Mulan, it will be on your Disney Plus permanently. So with that in mind, just get one friend to buy it and then split it between like 20 people and then you all have a party or whatever. <laughs> or invite them over, like, you know, within regulation. Adam, you're on my Disney Plus account, so maybe we can just do it that way. I oh do. my God, no, don't say that. Andrew does want to watch it. So I will end up buying it. <laughs> yeah, it's well, not, I mean... One of the things I was thinking is that Mulan is for a younger audience than Black Widow, and on average, so, and you know, kids going to a movie is kind of a pain in the ass by comparison to, I don't know, six thirty-five-year-olds or whatever the fuck we are. I don't know, Kaylin's seventy, but um, <laughs> there's also five of us. <laughs> yeah, uh, what did I say? Three? I don't know how many people there are. Three people are all seven years old. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so just sitting around the couch watching tv with seven-year-olds 10-year-olds 11-year-olds is much di different than hanging out with all the oldies and having to watch and then mulan <laughs> so this mulan's gonna be a spectacle but obviously black widow is gonna definitely be a spectacle also we've already talked about the i mean issues with china that are involved <laughs> which there's always issues with china, issues with china. <laughs> oh. we sure have Jaina. All right, moving on. Um, on the 22nd, DC is launching a new platform which will allow people to access special programming, behind the scenes looks, panels, and additional content for uh, DC TV shows, games, and movies. The free version looks like it will be only available for one day on August 22nd, but it seems like it will kind of be like a constant Comic-Con of DC content. Um, no specific output has been announced, but what do you guys think of the move? Uh, I mean, I'm a DC fan, the most of all five of us, and I, I'm not excited about this at all. Because the stuff that's usually curated by the companies is very, like, it's very anodyne, it's yeah. very, um, it, it's just very, like, oh, we already knew this. Like, there's not a lot of cool insider knowledge that you get from like reading some like news sites or maybe reading some interviews with creators about stuff. It's just going to be very, very like um, polished. And I, I don't think it's particularly interesting in that regard. Brent? Do you think then, uh, you know, anyone can chime in on this. Do you think then there's any um, content producer that you would like to see this for? 
I have no interest in it. I can just read enough of my websites in order to get all this stuff and then look at Reddit. I don't give a shit about this. This yeah. is, it seems like you don't want to do your own research on things, so you can just go to this one place, which I thought was already DC Universe, <laughs> which is an app that they already have. So it's it seems redundant, and it will be outdated soon. This is, I was going to say, this is just marketing budget gone wild. Like, it's obvious that they probably ended up saving a lot of money because they weren't doing a bunch of shit during, while everyone was trapped in quarantine. And so they're like, how can we bring the experience to them? And as, like, it, it just reads like garbage. And I, it, 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 I was going to say more, more harshly than you, Kayla. It's like, it's all just corporate bullshit, it looks like. Like, it's, and yeah. it's be great for the young, like, the youngin, the younglings. So... <laughs> Uh, um, I also uh, they um, you... not on the DC Universe app because even DC hasn't heard of DC Universe. <laughs> yeah, Clark. Um, I have an issue with obviously it's me and I hate everything. I don't want to like go to some site and everyone's a fucking yes man about this company. It's just gonna be boring as shit. I want to see some exactly stuff it. about this. It's gonna bore the shit out of me, and I don't that's, like DC, that's... so obviously, but. No, no, you, even you, a Marvel one, I don't want to listen to that. I want to, I want to find negatives in all the things I do and see. Yeah, I, you basically read my mind, Clark. What are you a telepath? Like, I, all this stuff is going to be pure corporate nonsense. It's all going to be super polished, super. Uh, Was it great to work with this director? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, Josh, we are like a fast. family. It's going to be like post your pictures of your little girl dressed as Wonder Woman. Yeah whole week of it and you're like shut up, shut well, up. that's actually kind of cute but yeah um so for some reason the cursed movie dune is still expected to come out on december 18th in theaters which is causing dillis dennis villanoeva how do you pronounce his last name Villanueva. 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 <laughs> i was thinking phyllis diller too villanueva uh to rush to complete the movie he apparently wanted to do more reshoots and a lot more VFX edits, but now he's in a rush to complete all of that. Um, my question is, why are they rushing any of this? Why try and release this in theaters at all? Just yes. wait. Everything else is waiting. Just wait. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm Look, I love Dune. I, as a kid, I even loved like the shitty Alan Smithy, the one that David Lynch directed, but took his name off of because he hated the final theatrical product. Um, I love the book as a kid. I think Dennis, Dennis Villeneuve is a phenomenal director uh, and the cast is like just stellar. It's like, it's like when you saw the cast for Lion King, uh, the remake of Lion King, you're like, holy shit. Um, but this is actually probably going to be good. The, the whole run to rush, rush it to theaters when we're not even sure if we can go to theaters by December just seems very, I don't know, ill-advised. The trailer hasn't come out. And also the, the prior uh, adaptation was plagued by tons of re-edits, running over budget, all that stuff. And it really does seem like this is a genuine effort to do it right. Why not actually, you know, set aside a real budget? Why not prepare and plan for this? Because uh, it seems like it might become too sprawling and problematic. Related to this, uh, do you ever see the um, the uh, documentary about uh, Alejandro Jordowski's uh, uh, attempt to do Dune in the seventies? Uh, that it is amazing. Alejandro Jordowski is like a fucking crazy ass director, and he's written like 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 
utterly out there like European comics or humanoids and other companies. And I would have loved to have seen his attempt to make this movie with 1970s technology. This is like pre-Star Wars. Uh, but the documentary itself is absolutely fascinating. So when you say the movie is cursed, it's fucking cursed. Uh, yeah. Just the, um, uh, hopefully this version will will ultimately see the light of day and we'll, we'll see a really good version of it. But like 70s version never happened. The 80s version was completely like whittled down to like uh, Star Wars Redux. Uh, and then there's a five hour version you can watch on TV and it's boring as fuck. And then in like 2000, 2001, Sci-Fi released their version of it, which was much more close to the source material, but it's early 2000s sci-fi, so it looks like shit. Uh, you know, so this is the chance to like, one, it's, it's supposed to be two movies uh, for, the first, for the first book, um, uh, which is great, so they don't have to feel like they've got to cram everything in like two, two and a half hours. Uh, and it's got a phenomenal cast with a phenomenal director, but you know, don't fucking rush it. My hope is that um, everyone in, in TV and movie production um, talks about Dune the same way that theater actors talk about Macbeth, uh, like it's a real problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, lastly in our news, um, so Tom Taylor is apparently uh, working on a prequel to Injustice, Gods Among Us, both the comic and the video game. It's titled Justice, Gods Not Among Us. Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Um, well, I'm a huge fan of Injustice, like I've consistently talked about on this podcast, both the game and the comic series, all two, um, I guess, two iterances, iterations, iterations of them. Um, and I've got to say, I am not really that interested. It seems like a very dumb way to do a prequel series, especially because I would imagine the game itself, it's usually the, for anyone that doesn't know the comics, usually predate the game. Uh, so Injustice 1 was like five years right before Injustice the game. And then Injustice 2 was a series of comics leading up to the uh, video game Injustice 2. So there's a real natural extension, I won't spoil anything, of what could possibly be happening with this series in the third season, uh, the third, season, third uh, set of issues and games. And it, this just seems like a step backwards. And I don't really understand this idea of the Joker fighting with the JSA and the Justice League in the 1950s and during World War II. It all just feels like very odd territory, but I love me some Tom Taylor, so I'm backing it 100% until I can complain otherwise. Uh, Ryan? They really don't want him to ever like do anything that's in continuity in DC. They're always like, zombies in an alternate universe, but a prequel of it, but also Wonder Woman. It's a, a planet of, you know what I mean? Like it's so many things. Uh, do you think that's because he will just fuck shit up if he's given a main storyline? <laughs> yeah, probably. Caleb? Well, he is writing Suicide Squad for the main storyline, but that's where he can fuck shit up and kill people off in each issue. That's but, his good at that. <laughs> but I will say the only way that I could see myself enjoying this is when we reviewed Injustice uh, on podcast, I, would, I said that um, the only thing that made me uh, from loving this book was uh, Superman's heel turn was so quick that it didn't make sense that this was like the uh, main DC Universe Superman and then he would break bad so so quickly so if they give me a story reason why that could potentially happen like planting some seeds I think it would make me enjoy the whole Injustice like universe a little bit more that's the only way I'd really dig this I can see that that makes sense 
All right, um, let's go into our uh, question roundup. This is uh, so our listeners can get to know the members of the pod a little bit more. Um, we'll start with our superhero section. I'm going to throw questions at you guys. You guys give me some uh, quick responses, uh, and then we'll waste time on random tangents that have nothing to do with the question. Uh, so our first question, uh, who is the worst uh, Avenger to get trapped in a conversation with? Um, I'll go. Um, I think uh, Scarlet Witch would be the worst ever because she doesn't know what's going on ever. She she is just like a weird ant that you always run into, and she's like, "Well, I had to kill all the mutants to save the Avengers," and you're like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> she's just always insane, but she does dress like fabulously. So like, but yeah, it'd be terrible. And she also smells like patchouli as well. She's <laughs> also confused about who her dad is at any given time. Is it Magneto? Is it not Magneto? Uh, I think it'd be I, really terrible. Oh, sorry, Clark. All right. Um, uh, I, I was going to say Captain. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I never want to talk to Stingray, whose claim to fame is that he's an oceanographer for the U.S. government. Like, literally, that sounds like the most boring human being to ever speak to. And, it, yeah, literally, he's got a suit with Stingray outfit, and it's fucking dumb. I can't No, but, it. Clark, he's, he's out there measuring ocean temperatures. Oh, well, I don't want to just hang out with that. Just listen to the different temperatures of oceans the entire time. Also, the other one I thought was Stingray. Uh, no, I just said Stingray. Uh, was Sentry, because he's oh, a fucking man. freak who's boring as shit at the same time. Yeah. And would kill you. Um, mine was, was it Thunderstrike? The like 90s reboot of Thor for a yeah. while. <laughs> like I was just like, I, I think of him as like, uh, what was it Adam X or yeah, Adam Extreme? Like just any character that was generated in the 90s to cash in on the shitty extreme culture of the uh, decade. Uh, I would, could, I just don't imagine that a conversation would be very fruitful uh, with them. Mine would be um, Gilgamesh because he's pretty forgettable. Who? Exactly. Well, he's also known as the forgotten one, so that's my little joke there. Oh, but you could talk about how lonely and forgotten he is. Then you feel sad. I but guess like at a dinner good. party, at a dinner party, the host would be like, "Kalen, please talk to Gilgamesh. Please." <laughs> so lonely and forgotten. Can you just like be a friend tonight? I just remember, I think it was Avengers number 300 where they're like introducing the new team. It's Steve Rogers as the captain when he wasn't Captain America. Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman, Dr. Druid and Gilgamesh. I'm like, this is the shittiest team of the Avengers <laughs> ever. Oh <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be terrible to talk to uh, Captain America because How the, entire dare conversation, you? the entire conversation, he would just be this incredibly handsome, uh, you know, like charming, perfect person, and you would tell a boring story, and he would laugh at all your shitty jokes, and you would know in your heart that he's just being the most gracious uh, person at that party. He he's the world's biggest active listener. I think is in his uh, power set. So I, I would actually agree. I think it's your anxiety kicking in, Brett, more so yeah. than him being nervous. But yeah, this is about me. <laughs> Uh, but no, he, I think he would actually would genuinely mean that he cared about your story because that's how empathetic he is. But like he would really, and he remember too, you see him at the next party, he'd be like, 
Brent, how's that? Hey, you said this and this. Oh, it's the oceanographer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next question. Uh, you uh, get to bring a mutant to a wedding. Uh, which mutant do you bring? Clark, do you want to start? I'm, I mean, I would definitely just choose Shatterstar because it's easy sex. <laughs> I'll give you that four finger special. Yeah. Hollow bone. <laughs> yeah, his the, his sword isn't the only thing that's got two blades. <laughs> mm. Yikes. Nope. So wait, does your penis have a blade in it? <laughs> it's got two heads. Mine? I thought you were talking about <laughs> Oh Jesus. Um mine would be uh Polaris particularly at the wedding of Alex Summer and that random nurse from the Annie. X-Men series. So I could just see her fuck shit up like she did in the comic. Black Tom Cassidy would be pretty shitty because he would just be commenting on the florals the entire time at a wedding. So he'd be like, that's not, and just make him grow or die or whatever the fuck he does because no one knows. But like, and then he would look like a tree in a fucking suit. I don't know, I'm, I'm mad at him right now. <laughs> Uh, I'd bring uh, Emma Frost because she would wear white to the wedding and then the bride would be like, oh. oh. <laughs> yes. I would probably pick uh, 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 multiple man. Uh, just have an orgy. Over the course of the party, you feel like, wait, didn't I just talk to that guy? And he just keeps multiplying <laughs> until he's more of the wedding party than the actual wedding. He's the entire groom side. All right, um, so you pick a mutant, and I'm going to pick a random genre, and then you guys uh, try and pitch me a TV show. Um, so if someone wants to throw out a mutant, I'll throw out a genre. Give me Rogue. Rogue? Okay, Rogue, and the genre is film noir. Oh, God. Um, okay, so it is about a 1920s deep south town where an alligator has been murdered and they're attempting <laughs> to solve the murder. And who else shows up but Detective Rogue and she uh, has the, she, she discovers that there's obviously a lot of shit going on uh, that goes beyond this alligator murder. In particular, there's a woman who owns a, um, a breastfeeding shop and it turns out that it was her all along <laughs> that killed the alligator. I love and, the idea. But, don't, but that's There's, just episode one. That's just episode one. It's an episode a episode of the week series. And that, that's the pilot episode that establishes rogue noir detective as your Adam, watch you on That's the first episode of Justified. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there has been an alligator murder. <laughs> Those are, those are a big deal in the Bayou, I think. I'm not sure Rogue needed to be in that series. <laughs> Where did she come in? Well, she wears, she wears gloves all the time. And you wonder, why is she wearing those gloves? And then she <laughs> she touches things and then absorbs their alligator power. All right, Jalen. Uh, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, um, medical drama. Ooh, okay, so Nightcrawler uh, is a chaplain at a hospital, uh, and it's, but it's the hospital from St. Elsewhere, so it's the nexus of all realities. It goes to any which way. So he's there performing last rites on people who come in and die, but then he all of a sudden he's in 
you know, he goes off into the universe where Jurassic Park is happening and hanging out with Laura Dern, which makes Ryan Kroll very happy. Uh, then he goes off to another thing and he's on the Death Star and he's performing Last Rites and some stormtroopers who are dying. Uh, he's just there uh, when people are dying. He's basically death from like the Endless from Sandman, but he's a chaplain and he's Nightcrawler and he works with St. Elsewhere. What would you call it? Um, ooh. Um, <laughs> That's it. Dennis. That's perfect. Um, death becomes him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was partial to ooh, but I'll take Death Becomes Him as well. Okay, okay, I got, okay, give, uh, give me Forge, go. Forge, okay, Forge, uh, sitcom. Ooh, okay. Forge has 16 robot children, and two of them are lesbians. The rest are enrolling in the army, the mutant <laughs> army, and um, hilarity ensues, I don't know, and it's, uh, where's all my circuits gone is what it's called. <laughs> Where? <laughs> I create so many characters just to send them to the army. I, I, you why know why? Because robots City? can have roles now. My friends. favorite is how okay. you called you called me out for Rogue not fitting into her <laughs> plot line. <laughs> you just made a 16 robot children journey that doesn't require more. But he made those children though because he's Forge. <laughs> Okay. All right. Should I do okay. one? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say cat's eye. Ooh. All right. How about um, uh, I'll give you either action or romantic comedy? Um, let's say romantic comedy. So it starts with cat's eye's birth, and she's actually like half actual cat. So she's raised by like literally a one year old mother who dies in a horrible accident and she has a fucking terrible life until Emma Frost finds her and kind of rehabilitates her, but then she dies like three more times over. Anyways, once she's not dead anymore, she falls in love with this dude named Cybercat, but it turns out he's actually made of like 14 cats and they have to go through that part, you know, have two thirds of the way through a romantic comedy where, where they break up, but then they get back together suddenly because she realizes she can just sleep with 14 cats at once and that's okay. <laughs> she is able to turn into the size of like a normal house cat. So obviously she likes to get into that kind of thing. And that's romance. Does she fall in love with the cats? Yeah, she falls in love with all 14 cats. Okay, cool. Once Obviously. she realizes that that cat is actually 14 cats. <laughs> all right. <laughs> What's it called? What's the name of the show? Pussy Patrol. There you go. <laughs> Mic drop. So um, obviously one of our favorite things about this whole new world of mutants is the fact that Krakoa uh, expands uh, in so many interesting and unique ways. I want us to expand Krakoa's culture. Um, so in DC, the first question you get asked is what do you do? In LA, it's are you in the industry? And in New York, it's do I somehow owe you rent? What do you think is the very Krakoa question? What's the first question people ask each other in Krakoa? Uh, Clark, I'll start with you. I mean, the easy, easiest one is just so when were you resurrected? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did we fuck last night? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they'd ask or if they would just go and immediately start fucking again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they'd ask and then they would, yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, which Summers brother did you fuck? 
Yeah, but say everyone, like, because everyone did it outside, even Gambit's included, I guess, because he made No, well, you're asking Havoc which Summer's brother did he fuck. <laughs> I don't have a specific question, but I did think of a game show called Which Portal Is It? And so they're, someone's blindfolded and they get pushed through one of the 10,000 portals in Krakow and then they have to take it off and figure out where they are. I love that. Which portal, portal is, is it? <laughs> Um, so I, I, I think parallel to Clark's question, uh, when were you resurrected? Uh, basically like, oh, how did you die last? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's play a new game uh, called Top vs. Bottom. Uh, I'm going to list a mutant, and I want you guys to tell me whether you think they've got big top energy, uh, acceptable verse energy, or slight bottom energy. Um, the first one, Scott Summers. He's a top. big bottom. Top. I say top. I, I say, say bottom because he's one of those people that's so like anal in person and like, you know, trying to be in control of everything. So when he gets out of control is when he's having sex. So he's like super bottom. I think so he's he top. You think he passed the top? I think he's verse. I feel like he'll just, he'll kind of, he'll, he'll give it as much as he takes it. I think he's also top but he's, re he's like a top that doesn't know he's a bottom because he'll always say, oh, I don't do that kind of thing. Like, yeah. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But then yeah. he's like, a bottom once and he's like, well, I guess maybe this time I'll bottom. And you can yeah. tell he's into like daddy play where he's like, who's the leader of the X-Men? Who's the leader of the X-Men? You know what I mean? And Storm <laughs> who says I'm the leader. Yeah, yeah. Storm. <laughs> That's when she grabs that big dildo and just shoves it in him. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Wolverine. Uh, verse. He's verse for sure. Uh, Extreme, crazy power bottom. Because yeah. he takes so much damage, it's insane. You, you can put 30 million heads up him and he'll be fine for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I, he's a party bottom. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah I think he's a sloppy party bottom. I think he's a huge party bottom because he's gotten, he's like so, he actually, he's the cyclone. Like, how do you guys were to He's like gruff. He's always serious. He's a man's man. Like, he totally wants to get fucked constantly. Yeah. Uh, Kate Pride. Kate Pride's a top, Kitty Pride is a bottom. <laughs> I, can, oh, I can get behind that. Yeah, we changed it. Okay, so can she. Yeah. I <laughs> didn't mean to do that, and then I was happy with myself that I did do that. Uh, Colossus. Bottom. Uh, he was a whatever, he's the opposite of whatever Kitty is, but I think he's probably a bottom. I think he just does whatever makes you happy. I he's think a he's a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's got like mellow top vibes. Like he definitely wants to top, but he's not here to, you know, force people to do anything. Well, and he'll fuck you good and then start crying like after he's done. Oh no, during. I need it to be during so or I can't get off. Yeah, during. He's gonna paint yeah. you first, then fuck you. Yes. Totally, exactly. Caitlin. Totally. All right. Uh Nightcrawler. First. Verse. Verse because he'll start topping you and then teleport yes. and bottoming for you. <laughs> he'll flip flop. Yep, exactly. Perfect. I think he's into, I don't know, I feel like he's like into really weird, kinky stuff like having candle wax poured on him uh, and stuff that like makes him feel guilty for later. Yeah, tons of flagellation, all sorts of religious pent up uh, sexual rage. Uh, yeah, Verse. Mystique. Huge top. Oh, really? Top, top, top. 
She has whatever you want, baby. She can be anyone. She's everything. Yeah. She's I think a, she'll do it. Yeah, she'll do anything, but she only enjoys fucking people. Well, she, she's 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 a dom, but she she'll she'll be a dom bottom too. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to say the next one, um, and I'm going to give my opinion first. Beast, I think he says he's a top, but then betrays you and is really a bottom. <laughs> I just think he's a really boring to top, top that just doesn't put any effort to it and just kind of lies there and he's, yeah, he's exhausting. He can never be trusted, no matter what. So it doesn't matter. He's like, I'm clean right now. I don't have anything. I'm ready. No, to I thought he was I, just gonna like he pulls off the condom halfway through. <laughs> yeah, if you want to talk about a process of like shaving your balls, like imagine shaving that much shit on Beast. That would be awful. That much yeah. shit. I never no, thought I about. Like I never thought about how hairy his crotch would be. Yeah, it'd be very difficult. To there are ask. people who are into that. Yeah, don't judge. That's true. And I'm not shaming them. I'm just saying it's a lot more. No, I, I literally just have a visual in my head that I had never had for 35 years of my life until someone <laughs> until we start talking about this. <laughs> well, let's horrify you with more images. Um, all right, next one. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, Storm. Top. Top. Yeah. I. She's a goddamn goddess. She's a top. I think she's verse. I think she'd be like a really uh, accommodating lover. I don't know. Mm. I, I okay, Mohawk, Mohawk Storm is definitely a top. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Wakanda Storm was more verse, and I don't know the other storms. <laughs> Are there other storms? <laughs> um, all right, Black Tom. Bottom. He only bottoms for trees. I know he bottoms for. I was gonna say juggernaut. Yeah. He oh, would yeah. have a grinder profile that's like into wood play, and you're like, "What's wood play?" And he's like, "You just won't get it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Glob Herman. Bottom. He's a super bottom. Yeah. He's a squishy bottom. Oh, I think he's. I think he's the what we were talking about with Colossus. I think he's actually this, where it's like he'll just he would just love to affectionately fuck you and like or love you. I think it would be love. He would never fuck somebody. He would love them. He would yeah. love you. That's so yeah. much creepier. Uh, what about uh, not Glob Herman? Uh, Dupe. Dupe does everything and anything. Yes, Dupe has verse super verse. Verse, verse, verse. He's up for whatever. All right, and then the last one, the various names and identities of Jean Grey. Marvel Girl's a bottom, Phoenix is a top, Dark Phoenix is a brutal dom top. <laughs> dominatrix, yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, I think she's a dominatrix, but she's been through so much that she's kind of open for anything. If she knows it's going to be sensual, she'll do it. But otherwise, she'll slap you in the face if you want it. Jean Grey is just gay men as they age. Like... Marvel Girl is the 18-year-old ready to take on the world gay, and then Dark Phoenix is the 40-year-old gay that still hasn't exactly. had a single d real date in uh, two years. Yeah, Dark, Dark, Phoenix, Dark Phoenix is right the neck beard of her sexual personality. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm talking about Dark Kalen, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's do some non-superior questions. Um, what is one article of clothing that if someone wore it, would make you uh, walk out uh, on a date with them. Kalen? An Ed Hardy t-shirt. I realize mm. it's 2020, but I would have done that shit in 2008. 
when I read it, the first thing I thought was my grandmother's skin as a suit. <laughs> Mark wins. Moving on. Next question. Oh no one can God. top that. Okay. That's true. I don't have anything. All right. What's the most embarrassing fashion trend you used to rock? I will go ahead and say mine was... That mustache? Okay, moving on. I guess what it was... Um, a Rob Layfield amount of pockets on cargo shorts. Um, um, when I was younger, I was uh, relatively overweight, but thankfully very tall. But Jenko jeans did no. Oh God! Yeah, you were nothing, nothing okay. to improve my physical appearance. I was going to say the exact. What was funny though is I was always like a 23 inch or lower. There were those ones that were like, you can get up to 32 inch per like leg. And I was like, aren't those, those are just like, it's just like a giant skirt, but even horrible because it like washes along the floor. You can have someone else fit up vertically <laughs> into those pants. Um, my, I used to wear hilarious shirts. So it would be like some terrible statement on the shirt that's like, if you want a hot dog, go south or some shit like that. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're talking about like boardwalk shirt shit. Exactly. Like, right? Where it's I like. Used to, I used to wear them unironically with a bowl cut with the middle part. So it was like all not working for me. I need photos. I need photo evidence of this. Caleb? Mine was uh, Z Cavaricis in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, they were the pleated, like, balloon out pants it's like the pre-hammer hammer pants um, if you watch early saved by the bell episodes like yes uh, slater and uh zach morris both had them on man i don't it really works. know if this counts i just wore a like a large amount of apparel that featured disney's goofy on it like an unnecessarily <laughs> amount adorable. of goofy items stop I, I don't know if it until counts like until like eighth grade you still do that now. I've seen you show up in like a goofy hat. Clark. I don't have a goofy hat. A Mickey hat. Yes, I have a Mickey hat. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say that I thought your most embarrassing thing was you're wearing your grandma's skin and you're like, that's why I was so upset because my date stole my skin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, was it, was it was in the fucking closet. He just ripped it out. Um, all right, moving on. Um, have you ever completed an item on your bucket list? Ooh. Have I ever? Oh. I read, yeah, I mean, living abroad was definitely one of mine <clears throat> when I went to Ireland. Um, yeah, oh, I'll go last. I, I climbed Mount Fuji, and it wasn't on my bucket list until I did it, and then I said, wow, check that off my bucket list. <laughs> no, you meant, you meant when, when Denny fell asleep halfway up the mountain? Yeah, Clark, when our friend uh, fell asleep halfway through the mountain, we had to shove him into a um, onsen that wasn't open because it was, it was closed season, but he was going to basically pass out from altitude sickness. Oh, my God. Good times. But I um, made it. He did it. <clears throat> One of my bucket list items was have a fever dream in the desert. And um, I got to go to Utah and visit the, all the different arches. Um, and apparently I got sick at some point on the trip and I was like having a fever, but Tristan drove us around to all of the arches and made me hike them. And we camped out some spot. And one night I woke up in like this kind of like hallucinatory feverish sweat. 
and kind of wandered around for a little bit before realizing, oh, I'm kind of still sleeping. It was great. Loved it. The moon was full. Fantastic. One of mine was to like zip line over like something beautiful. And then you realize once you do zip lining, you're like, this is fucking boring as shit. Um, so yeah, crossed it off. <laughs> no, I remember when you ziplined. You got stuck in the middle. That was when we went uh, for. Uh, <laughs> oh, <that laughs> next. <laughs> was that when that woman got trapped there for like thirty minutes? Yeah, and then they had to get the guy with the stick to get her. <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, ziplining is terrible. <laughs> it's so stupid. I was caught in the middle of it, so. Yeah, mine was to start an X Men podcast, and we did it. Aww. Aww. And it's that's a good thing you our show. <laughs> Find us next week. Um, all right, uh, the last one. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes or no's only. Uh, yes. Yes. No. No. Yes. Monsters. Everything's either a soup, a sandwich, or a salad, and that's what fall it falls under. I I subscribe to the sushi uh, rule as well. Um, <laughs> There's also the burrito, but whatever. How is how is spaghetti any of those things? It's a salad. It is, it's how many sides are covered. Mm. Oh my God, I'm gonna start calling everything a salad. Like if I just have like chicken, I'm like it's a it's a salad, salad. of meat. I'm I having nachos. It's a salad. Open face salad. There is a there is a. <laughs> Someone has set up a guide for evaluating whether or not something is a sandwich versus a salad based off of, or whatever, based off of how many sides are being supported in like a, um, a cube space. And it is really infuriating because you discover things like Pop-Tarts are ravioli. Yeah, that's right. So is cannoli. And um, I'll send that around to everyone to make them furious. All right, moving on. Um, let's do a quick super team build. Um, you guys get to pick five characters from any fictional genre anywhere, and they are, including you, your super team. Uh, you can have less than five, but you can have no more. I will kill you if you have more than five. Who wants to start out our super ultimate we are five years old, trying to create the best team ever. Now, I, when I read this, I didn't know if it meant four people in me or if it was just five people plus me. It's five people plus you. Oh, okay. Well, I only did four because I did not quite understand the um, the hey, Clark, of that. You're one of my fictional heroes. Okay. <laughs> One of them isn't really fictional, but anyway, so my obviously my first one goes with Polaris because I think she and I would get along really well. Um, number two is Claudia from Dark. Oh. I think she's smart as shit, and she can she can climb down and spelunk wearing heels. So obviously she's very good at that. Clark, um, say it right. Claudia. 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 No, no, I'm gonna call her Claudia and get her furious at me, and then she'll kill me. Um, number three, I guess, because I mentioned Chatterstar, I'm going to say Tucker from, um, from, oh God, I just lost it in my head. 
Um, anyways, he's, I described him as a redheaded sex idiot, which I always support, just like Shatterstar is from Danger 5, excuse me, from the TV show Danger Oh, 5. yeah, Tucker. And the actor is most likely gay in uh, real life, according to Instagram. So, we'll, But even though Ooh. Tucker is straight in the same And he kind of find out if he is or not. He, he, he's so hot, yeah. He's so hot. Anyways, I love a redheaded sex idiot. And my number four <laughs> is have you ever seen the video? of the hyena who's trying to eat a dead elephant, but its skin is too hard. So he literally shoves his head into the elephant's anus and rips his 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 colon out, because that's the only thing that's really, like, fleshy. So that's Aww. my other Clark, character that Clark, I have to bring in. What? We haven't seen that. I've <laughs> <laughs> not seen that viral video. It's hilarious. It was I tried to decide. I, I'll do my my fifth one then. The other one my, is a different hyena that's literally in, in the corpse of a giraffe, and it's, it's like swimming and playing and bathing around in its blood. And every once in a while, it eats the sides, so it's like a pool, but also it's meat. So I have two hyenas in my team. <laughs> just, a real Harley Quinn. Just imagine if like something was going on and like they needed a group of superheroes and that group fucking showed up. <laughs> wait, wait, uh, Ryan. We need someone who can help us spelunk into a cave and then eat an elephant's asshole. <laughs> That's what I want. Oh my god! That's All right, who else has a team, uh, sure. Uh, I st I'll have Phantom X from the X-Men comics. Um, I'll have uh, Grendel, who is a character that's published by Dark Horse right now, but it's the Christine, Christine Trelane version, because she's the granddaughter of the original uh, Grendel, and she's my favorite one. Uh, I'll have um, uh, the engineer from the Wildstorm universe, is uh, Angela Spica, and I really love her character in the Wildstorm uh, miniseries that... Um, like ended quite recently where like she turns into this like uh, cyborg type character and then like has to fight off like various um, um, you know espionage teams uh, John Constantine because I fucking love him and he's also bisexual and I love Good that call. and then I've got Valeria Richards except she becomes the new Doctor Doom and so her name is Valeria Doom and she names her team the Doom Patrol mm. Can I ask a question Kaylin? So suppose you didn't have Valeria in there. Would you be the leader of the team or would Constantine be the leader of the team? Constantine is never the leader of a team. Yeah, but I'm asking if you would want that. Because no. I love when characters are forced into a role they don't want. Uh, I mean, if I don't want it, then I'll probably do it, right? How would you be able to tell between the two of you with both of you wearing trench coats? <laughs> <laughs> One of us has a beard. And her name is Angie Spicka. Okay, I'll go. I want to do mine so that um, it, uh, you know, we don't uh, die of boredom. Um, you know, at the very end, uh, I would pick <laughs> Jake from Adventure Time. Uh, I'd pick Garnet from uh, Steven Universe. Uh, I'd pick Glob Herman because right now I'm really wanting to build like just a good vibes. Everyone's chill team. Everyone's like super supportive, but actually pretty capable. And then I'd also have Batman because I want one person who would just be fucking annoyed at the general casualness of every other character. You just described your family and you're the Batman of your family. As a man with a mustache, I say that's a real honor. 
<laughs> Ryan? I'll go. Um, so I would do Dazzler, obviously. Enough said. Um, Dazzler this, five times. Dazzler, 17 Dazzlers. <laughs> Dazzler, 80s Dazzlers, 90s Dazzlers. But they're made by Forge. No. Um, okay, so Dazzler, I would do um, I would do uh, Leia, but Force Ghost Leia that can use a lightsaber. I would do Rita Repulsa. Yeah. I would do Ursula. And then they need a way to get around, so I would have Falcor. And they would all just ride together on Falcor. Uh, I really feel like your theme song is He Had It Coming. Uh, <laughs> you guys sing that every time you show up. Adam, finish this uh, up. Yeah, I have a Storm. I have Jesus Christ. I think his power. I mean, yeah, like, I guess he doesn't really Ooh, have. Adam's an atheist. <laughs> that was actually no, Adam Adam wine all the time. Yeah, That's exactly. Like we'll have unlimited food and wine, which is great. Um, and like he's invulnerable. Yeah, but it's bread, fish, and wine. Uh, you gotta it's a sandwich. It okay, make it a on. sandwich. Yeah, wine, wine, fish sandwich. Um, I then had Xena, warrior princess. Um, Superman, but from whatever universe he's gay in, and then or or bisexual. I, I'm I'm not going to be picky. Pansexual, whatever you want to do, and then Eris from Final Fantasy VII. Nice guys, deal. Nobody fucking knows. Nobody remembers Eris. She died for your sins. Come on, guys. So did Jesus. <laughs> That's it's just a lot of people reincarnating to support whatever goals I have for this team. <laughs> I, I you Superman died like too. And you have Superman, who is also a Christ figure. It's just called him the Christ figurines. That's your team name. The Christ squad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about Doom Patrol real quick. Uh, it's season two, episode eight, Dad Patrol. Um, Jane tries to recover. What's the girl's name that lives inside her head? Miranda. No, not Miranda, but Kay, I think. Kay. She tries to recover Kay's stuffed animal from the well. Cliff bonds with his pregnant lesbian daughter. Niles devotes a day to Dorothy, who's finally growing up before he plans on having her executed. Rita tries to get adoration for being a beekeeper, which I think is the most uh, understandable plot line. And then Vic has some odd subplot where the first girl he meets is a war criminal and a murderer. What do you guys think of this episode? Um, it was a decent penultimate episode. I think the next episode is the finale for this season. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I think it had a lot of like really unsettling moments, especially with um, Jane and like her dad trying to put her in the well. Like that shit, like I just was really, really hard to watch. But my favorite is, this is the second time they've done this, but I really enjoyed it, is the uh, Cyborg and Rita like Avengers from the yes. 60s. Like little, uh, like sort of a montage. I thought that, that was really enjoyable. Um, it's, a, it's a fine episode and a fine season. I like robot man eating a finger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I loved the teaming up between uh, Rita and Vic. Um, and everything just seems to be coming together. Like I'm, I'm excited for the finale. Um, there's enough stakes, both low and big. I think it, they've done a really good job of not ensuring that everyone has to have a hand in like this big climactic finale like most shows usually do when they take lingering plot threads, especially like Netflix type shows or streaming type shows where they linger. And then they're like, oh wait, all of these things actually super connect. 
Um, so I'm, I'm excited for next week, Ryan. Yeah, um, I, I, I really like this uh, episode and I think it, overall it's going to end up being a great season. Um, I was kind of wondering who the big bad at the very end would be. But the great thing about Doom Patrol is I don't think they have to rely on these old like superhero tropes as much. So like, yeah, sure, Candlemaker will be something at the very end, but like that doesn't even really matter because their stories, their actual heroes like journeys are like way more important. I love yes. it. This is such a good series and I don't think a lot of people mm-hmm. Which yeah. is How many episodes were in the last season? Like 14? Yeah, it, it was like definitely like 14 15, or 15 episodes, maybe 15 episodes. So I like the truncated season. Yes. Uh, there's less filler. And uh, I said this before, not having Mr. Nobody as much as I love Alan Tudyk uh, as a character actor, like I was just annoyed with his sort of like meta commentary and yes. not having that and having the chief in every episode has made the, the season just so much better. Kaelin, that's a really good point about Alan Tudyk is that I think that was an attempt to make the show wackier than it actually was, whereas the show's wacky enough, and quirky yeah. enough, I should say, not even wacky, but it's quirky enough that it stands on its own merits without having to need, like, the typical, I think, Hollywood editing to make things seem crazier than they actually are. All right. I think it was hobbled by being on DC Universe. You were just talking about how you don't like you don't know why enough people are watching. That's why it's because yeah. it was on a pay channel. Then suddenly you actually have a functional HBO. Hopefully, well, I mean, my roommate was talking. He hadn't seen the first season. Now he's actually watched both seasons because it's on HBO Max instead of on fucking. Who cares about DC Universe at this point? But if you pay for DC Universe, you also get two seasons of Titans. Oh my, well, never mind. I'm going to pay for it again. And one season of Swamp Thing. <laughs> and uh, half a season of Swamp Thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's get into those comics. Um, so we had uh, Empire number four. Um, a fake Hulkling has gone Mad King, ready to activate a sun-destroying super weapon. T'Challa wonders what it means to be a good ruler. And She-Hulk has some surprising, horrific cosmetic issues to deal with. Now that she's been turned inside out by plant people. What did you guys think? I thought uh, this, this finally got back on track for me. I think this is the best issue of the um, story so far. Just because yeah, it's, I, not about, it's not about the ones we always, it's not about Black Panther, it's not about Captain America. It's, it's, it has a bit of Tony Stark. But it's actually about the minor characters that are the point of this fucking story. Yeah, that are yeah. actually happening to them. So I supported that quite a lot. I am. Um, Ryan, your face. I was slightly disappointed because um, <clears throat> it turned into the sort of cliche, big storyline of, oh, he is going to do the bad thing. I, he might be an imposter or whatever you have, like whatever it is. But I think the main takeaway from this entire issue is the marriage at the very end. I yeah. mean, that's, that's big in terms of like the storyline for the MCU and just in general. Um it was it was an okay issue. I didn't, I didn't love it because it felt tropey at a certain point. It's a big okay, nice, okay. Oh, go ahead, Adam. It's a nice buildup for me. Um, overall, I think it's like a good rebound from the more like dry up issue uh, last I guess last week, even though it was supposed to be last month. Um, but what I I think Ryan, you pointed out something really critical, which. I know we've, I've kind of been up and down on this series, but what I love so much is that Hulkling and Wiccan are obviously central. The wedding is central. Like 
to have in a mega crossover super event a queer couple is fucking fantastic. Like, I mean, that needs to certainly be celebrated that, like, this is as much as, like, obviously Marvel does this every year now, but to be, have that level of, like, queer exposure um, for such a mega event that crosses every single type of comic in Marvel, I think is excellent. So um, um, hats off to them for, for really pulling the trigger on that. I just wish the Lords of Empire Hulkling one shot was more heavily involved in the actual, you know, yes. was part of the main miniseries. Totally. Yeah. Kaylin? Um, I was sort of like, uh, again, um, kind of waning on the series up until the reveal of She-Hulk. And yes. I thought that was such a clever reveal. And the body horror stuff about it, like, really shocked me. Um, it, like, it made up, like, 100% sense. It was revealed that, like, oh, they actually earned this. And it also made me reread the first issue, uh, or maybe it was the second issue, where uh, she becomes intelligent again because she's been, like, the savage Hulk, you know, for a while. And then all of a sudden, because of uh, uh, the Katati's, like, work, she's like, oh, like, I'm back to being, you know, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. um, and that, then it was like, oh, the reveal is even it's even better. Like, I'm like, I'm in, I'm totally in again. I mean, this, this is definitely tying in with Ewing's um, Immortal Hulk, clearly, because of the body horse stuff and what's going to happen later with her. And the fact that according to um, Immortal Hulk, she's already died once because that's what happens with these people and they come back from the dead because they're all immortal. Yeah. I mean, uh, even, even not knowing any of her backstory, I think that was a very horrifying moment for me. Yeah. Just have someone's face peel out, you know, with plant life. Um, all right, moving on. Empire X-Men number two. Uh, in this issue, Glenn Close, Whoopi Goldberg, Betty White, and <laughs> Wong, AKA Horticulture, have joined the Kotati zombie mutant fight where the Kotati ship has taken root and is ready to explode when War Captain Magic summons all available psychic mutants to battle. This is my favorite X-Men series, and it's not a series, unfortunately. I just yes. love everything that's going on. It the, the cast are not quite as important, therefore I love them more. I love horticulture, and they're, they're just their weird sex thing with Archangel or Angel. I don't know, I just enjoy the whole thing. Um, I like the fact that even though, like the first issue was Hickman and Teeny Howard, this one was uh, Jerry Dugan, um, uh, Benjamin Percy and Leah Williams. So it's three writers of three different X books in Dawn of X right now. And it still was good. And mm -hmm. can we talk a little bit about the art? I fucking loved it. Yeah. It's like yeah. a different artist from the first issue. His name is uh, Lucas uh, Wernick. I've never seen his stuff before but he does like faces really well. Mm -hmm. Like when you've got Angel being like super goofy and like, you know, obviously kind of quasi possessed by horticulture. Yeah. To Ileana's uh, 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 like, just like, what the fuck is going on? Like the artist completely captured who Ileana is to me. Like it was just great. Ryan. The humor is really on point. So the, old, the older gals being into Angel and obviously him also being into them through weird stuff, um, through date rape. Um, that was really fun. Um, and then Explodey Boy or Man or whatever his name is, being a somewhat figure in there. I, I, lo I loved it. I think Just uh, running around making puns. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was really what I'm issue. And it, it, it was fun. Uh, huge agreement. I think it was 
just such a inter- like wonderful experience. I, I completely agree with you, Clark. That like it, it certainly didn't, it certainly helps that like horticulture is involved because I think obviously their introduction in X Men uh, most recent series was like really fun, um, and it was so nice to see them come back and like just everything is hitting on all cylinders and all of it feels like it's not trying at all, which is exactly what you love to see in sort of like action comedy type stuff. It's just it's just so great. I love it. I do love an entire group of people walking out of somewhere in some kind of like awesome gang formation thing where they have all like the telekinetics and psychics that come out at the very end of this issue. Definitely a fun moment. Yeah, and also um, the third and fourth issues are next week and the following week. So like uh, Empire itself is coming out on a weekly schedule because, you know, obviously it got all like backed up because of COVID. Uh, but then this miniseries also like, you know, tying in with that. It's just great. We're getting like, you know, a new issue every week. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about, uh, you know, something a little, uh, you know, more giant size. I didn't have a bucket. I ran out of Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Giant size Phantom X number one. Um, so we follow Phantom X through a multi-decade journey of returning to a giant experimental facility with different generations of teams. Also, he can exchange eight words with his brother uh, slash clone. My question is, what the heck is going on? Uh, is there any context here that can help someone like me make more sense, Kalen? Yeah, this again, uh, you haven't read the last volume of Grant Morrison's New X-Men, even though my copy has been at your house for two and a half, three years. So Ah! suck a dick. (laughs) Not with that mustache. Um, So this uh, ties into Phantom X's early appearances because he was created by Grant Morrison. And the world is a place where time kind of um, works differently. And it's where they created the weapon program, the weapon plus program. So the storyline that intersects with this, it's when uh, it's the second to last time jump uh, where you've got Phantom X teaming up with Cyclops and Wolverine and they're wearing like the black and yellow like Grant Morrison outfits, uh, designed by Frank Quietly. Uh, that actually happened in the series. So this is told like from a, like a different perspective. Um, so uh, Steve Rogers was like weapon one. Wolverine is weapon X, AKA weapon 10. Mm-hmm. Um, Phantom uh, X is, <laughs> and it's also ten. Giant size man thing is number four, and Venom is a, is in it as well. I yeah, just think of Nuke from Daredevil, um, and then uh, Phantom X is Weapon Thirteen, and then the uh, brother sibling whatever character is Weapon Fifteen, who was an antagonist in um, in the in the Morrison run, uh, and it's they're tying in all like a lot of the giant size stuff already with. Uh, the first one with uh, with Jean Grey and um, Emma Frost, where you find out that Storm has been infected by the children of the vault. Uh, and then um, the next one is, uh, the next one and the last one is Giant Side uh, Storm. And so you see in the last uh, couple pages um, that Storm and a few other X characters come to Phantom X saying, we need your help in doing this with the world. Uh, and I think, um, the storm giant size issue, I'm just speculating here, I think will not have a happy ending. And I think it's going to tie into Ten of Swords. <gasps> I was very confused on the timeline. So we got the Howling Commandos in there, which uh, supposedly would take place in the 40s, yeah. with, because they, so the entire confused. cast, some of which died 
during the World War II. Where yeah. And then 10 years later, they're dealing with the current Hellfire Club. And then 10 uh, years later, they're doing, I was like, wait, so the Hellfire yeah. Club is suddenly there in 1956 or something? 19, I didn't understand that was the only the, thing that whole like. setup which was very bizarre and it, it took me out in a weird way because i like continuity and i like to know the structure of the world and that didn't make any yeah. sense that didn't really make any sense to me either uh why, why do we even need that we didn't need that at all yeah it was the only part i didn't care for but i like this giant size issue a lot i think rod reese who is the artist on the hickman issues of new mutants he was the one who drew this He's phenomenal, and I think um, as much as I love him on New Mutants, like he took like a quantum leap for mm -hmm. me uh, in this issue. I just fucking loved every like last bit, every panel. So good. I liked how as we saw the world more and more, it got more crazy, psychedelic, and just weird and colorful and cartoony and insane. I did yeah. really like the art. Yes. Did you like the Hugo knots? Like the, uh, the yes, the that was great. Was cannon fodder. No, are they? Dead. Are those people real? Like, are they? Are have they been around? I've wow. never seen them. Oh, okay. I was wasn't sure if they were part of general lore because I, I thought they were hilarious. I love that sequence. For for me, like I this this is one of the few issues that I was like Hickman's run and the current run of the X Men can basically encompass every single run of the X Men. So they've done Hickman, they've done the earlier ones, they've done like this. This is quintessential. Like he basically ties in all continuity all together. It's just so well done. I, it just it made me so happy to see that Morrison-esque type of feel, but in the Hickman writing, and then the other people as well, but mainly Hickman. But yeah. All right, moving on. Guardians of the Galaxy number five. The Guardians work to foil a real estate deal while murdering a giant beaver, and Moondragon learns that if she doesn't love herself, how in the hell is she going to learn to turn to merge her body with a more perfect version of herself in an alternate dimension. Okay, I love this issue because they finally regard the Guardians of the Galaxy, the earlier version, like it actually existed. So this is like the Dan Abnett like run like all those years ago. Like this yeah, yeah. is the Moon Dragon from that shit. So like it's so great to see that they're actually acknowledging this past and not just pretending it's Star-Lord from fucking Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Like, it, it actually acknowledged the past, and I really like that. No. Um, and the humor, once again, was really fucking good. Um, there's so many thoughts in this series, too. Like, so many fucking hot dudes. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. I like Moondragon, and it's interesting where they're taking it, where there's two inside of her at the same time. Oh. For someone who's unfamiliar, it, um, you know... It seems interesting, but I don't really fully understand what's going on. I will say the art uh, around Moondragon is incredible. Really mm -hmm. cool, um, excellent use of Venn diagrams and eye motifs. She's, she's Drax's daughter. Yeah. Yes. And a big okay. old lesbian. But yes. There's also like an, a more perfect alternate universe version of her that's been around, but just for like two years. That's who we've been. That's who we've been reading in the comics. So this other, the regular, the six one six version that we've been seeing in the Guardians of the Galaxy hasn't been apparent until now. But what was the darkness she was consumed by? Dragon of the Moon. That's been going on since the eighties. It's literally a dragon that was in a moon, and she got possessed by it, and she, it shows up every once in a while. It's 
They were, uh, hey, I don't need her whole life story. That's enough. (laughs) They toured with Motley Crue. Um, He's got an entire band inside of her. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, Pour some sugar on me. Um, The art, I do want to just echo what what, uh, Brent said. This guy, uh, Juan Cabal, did Tom Taylor's uh, All New Wolverine series. Yeah. And they look good there, but like he's, his uh, ability, his skill has just taken on a whole new level. Guardians of the Galaxy, it is a gorgeous looking book. Three. All right. Uh, now, on the if last. If you had moments, an alternate universe version of yourself, would you kiss it? Yes, yeah. of course, everyone would, Clark. Oh okay, moving on to yes. DC stuff. I won't answer this anymore, of course. This is the alternate universe version of me. That uh, you kissed. <laughs> Gross. All right. Uh, so we had Deceased number two and Death Metal Legends of the Dark Knights number one. So in Deceased number two, there's a cure in Cyborg's head a second plant city in Australia. People try and save the new Superman and their own sense of self-worth. And Plastic Man becomes one of the creepiest moats <laughs> to have ever appeared in comics. Uh, and then in Death Metal, Legends of the Dark Knights, we get a backstory for the bat who laughs, as well as an explanation of the mental transition from the bat formerly known as Dr. Manhattan to the darkest of darky dark nights and the funky bunch uh, we also get a bunch of fun stories from inside the Batmaniverse. All right, in this last time, I want everyone to name some of your other favorite boats from comics. Favorite boats? Boats. <laughs> um, Plastic Man was around the little island that turned it. It was like blood, and then he appeared out of it. It was a moat. That was disgusting, by the way. Um, Don't name moats. Talk about the issues. So that uh, Plastic Man... Um, used that way was one of the most unsettling things I think I've ever seen in comics in a very long time. Um, this is a good series. I'm enjoying uh, volume two a lot more than I'm enjoying volume one, uh, just because I think the, you know, the, the scene setting, the world setting has already been kind of like put away and then they can just kind of focus in on telling the story. So, um, I think uh, Constantine and Swamp Thing, their interaction was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I like the, uh, uh, they brought back sh- the Shadow Pact, which was an aughts, like, um, uh, like supernatural team that predated Justice League Dark. Uh, and then the Plastic Man stuff, just fucking horrific. Horrific. So that was like, in a good way, like Tom Taylor at his best. And I say this because I'm kind of looping in the Injustice side is like, my favorite part about Injustice was these like, exciting permadeaths, like where you didn't really see coming. Like obviously any one of them probably could have gone at any time. This is an entire series about anti-life zombies killing everybody. But like to see that level of hope just destructed, I think was such a, I just love those moments. Cause it's like where it feels, the, 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 it just feels more real. And it was also just, yeah, like we talk about She-Hulk as body horror, like that was the ultimate in body horror. Yeah, Jesus, so I, what a week I, I, for that. Yeah. Yeah. I will say um, Death Metal Legend of the Dark Knight was a pretty disappointing little package because um, the main story was just kind of a recap of everything that's happened thus far. And then the little explanation of like Dr. Manhattan into the whole um, Batman who laughs stuff, fine. Uh, I will say a positive thing though is the art overall was really nice uh, throughout the, the anthology. Uh, a couple of my favorite artists, uh, um, including the one who did the, uh, the King Robin uh, vignette, uh, as well as the one where um, Bruce becomes the entire city of Gotham. 
Uh, yes. It just looks great, even though the stories were pretty slight. You'd also be remiss to not at least acknowledge the fact that there was an entire two-page storyline on Batman becoming a T-Rex, and I feel like that should be represented. So, funny, funny thing, I think Warren Ellis is supposed to write that originally. Correct. Yeah, that was the story that got originally pulled and then flipped. Um, yeah. And I thought it worked out well. I mean, I don't know how you can really tell that good of a story of Batman becoming T-Rex. Mm, yeah. Marguerite Bennett's also a good writer. I like her. So I'm glad she got uh, some exposure. So my favorite moat is from Robin Hood's, uh, the Disney's animated one. Do you remember when he re what, rescues all the woodland creatures and they're trying, they have to go over the wooden bridge, but then suddenly like the baby rabbit is running behind and crying, mommy, mommy, wait for me. Oh yeah. And, and, and then... And then Robin has to go back and get her and then gets her back to her family. But then he, he goes into the water and then they all shoot arrows to it. They all think he's dead for a while. That's my favorite moat. So, uh, so next week, uh, we're going to review the finale of Doom Patrol season two. We've got um, Empire X-Men number three, Marauders number 11. Glad Marauders is back. Uh, X-Force number 11. And then we'll also talk about the uh, free comic book day, one shot for X-Men and the one for Venom. Uh, the one for X-Men sets up uh, Ten of Swords and there's some like terror reading that I think we should try to interpret on podcast. Terror so, reading? Terror reading, yeah, United States of Terror. <laughs> we'll have, we'll have a special guest, Tara Reed from Sharknado on our podcast. You heard it here first. <laughs> All right, bye guys. Bye. 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 Bye.